It's wonderful to be in the Lord's house tonight. We appreciate each of you that have come to share with us in the service, and we hope that you've had a, a wonderful afternoon. You may have gotten a nap in, I don't know. Uh, I dozed off a little bit. I'll be honest with you about that. But, so we're singing the song, Shall We Gather at the River? A little story came to my mind. That preacher was up preaching one day and he was preaching on the evils of alcohol. And he made a statement. I wish they'd take all of the beer, all the wine and all the whiskey down and dump it in the river. And for the invitation hymn, the choir director selected, shall we gather at the river? <laughs> those little things you remember down through life and those kind of things. But it's so good to see each of you tonight. And if you're visiting with us, uh, we welcome you into the service and ask you just to make yourself at home here. And uh, we'll be preaching out of Acts chapter 3 again tonight, just picking up where we left off this morning. And we uh, thank the Lord for the sweet spirit that was here this morning. And I, I also sense the Holy Spirit in the service tonight. Would you stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God as we begin reading in Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. And when he saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us? as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith by which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said, unto the fathers. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things, whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, and as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you 
from his iniquities. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we stand in your presence tonight. We realize that, Lord, we're nothing without you and can do nothing without you. Father, we pray tonight that your Holy Spirit will just intervene in our lives in this service tonight. May you be glorified. May you be magnified in all that is said and done. Father, we pray if there's one among us tonight that is not saved, that this would be that wonderful time that you would touch their heart, Lord, and draw them by your Spirit to come and trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And Father, we pray for the sick and the afflicted and those who are grieving tonight because of death in their family. I pray that your Holy Spirit will comfort them and Father, just watch over them and care for them. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege just to stand here in this place tonight to proclaim your word. May you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. This chapter is the record of the early days of the church. And actually this was the second message that would be preached in, in the church that we studied about the first one last week. But the first miracle had taken place in the early part of this chapter. As Peter and John came to the temple that day to worship and to pray, there was a, a crippled man, a man who was born crippled, seated out there and he was a beggar. And he had asked them to give him something. And Peter asked him to look at them. And he looked up at them and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man who had never taken a step in his life, over 40 years of age, Peter reached out and got him by the hand and picked him up. And he got strength in his ankles and in his feet and he began to, to walk and to leap and to jump and, and to praise God there. And it, of course, brought a crowd. Now, in studying this this week, I studied two different uh, commentaries on it. And one of them titled his, his message, the first part, he said it was the miracle. And the second part was the message. We're going to look at the message tonight. There were, the other one, I, I can't recall right offhand what he titled his, but it was very similar to that. He called it the wonder and then the word. But Peter used this opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And that says something to us as a church that we need to take every opportunity that we have to share the good news of Jesus with those that we come in contact with. We don't know when God may use that in someone's life to turn their life around and to, to bring healing to them or to bring uh, health to their, their marriage or to their home or wherever it might be that they're having difficulties. God is still working, and He's working through His church. He works through His people. And He uses us sometimes when we least expect it. I don't know how many times Peter walked past that man and never said that to him. But that day, I, I assume that the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and gave him the words to say to that man. It was God 
who did the work in the man's life. And you remember this as you go out and as you meet people, we're just witnesses of the Lord and we're to be a witness. And all we do is just tell the story of what the Lord has done in our life and what he can do in their life. And God takes that and plants it in their heart. He may not use it right at that moment to bring them to salvation, but it's like a seed that is planted there. And God uses that and they never forget it. They always remember that person that told them about Jesus. They may not even like it to begin with, but yet they'll remember that person that told them about Jesus. Now, let's, let's pick up here. The crowd began to gather around. There were thousands of people there, no doubt. And they gathered around. And the Bible says that they, they came into Solomon's porch or a colonnade there. There's a, it's on the south side of the temple. I've been there, and it's where uh, Peter preached that day. Lots of steps going up to it, and those marble columns are still there. And it was in that place. The Bible says in verse 12, when Peter saw it. Saw what? He saw that crowd that was moving toward him. He saw that they were going to try to somehow, some way make it out that he and John had healed this man. But that was not the case. They were just the instruments that God used. But it was the Lord who did that. And when, it, when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto the pen, you men of Israel, these are all Jewish people. These are all uh, akin to Jesus in some way or other as uh, through their bloodline because it all began to come down from uh, uh, the same ancestry line. You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us? You see, Peter didn't want the recognition for himself. He didn't want people bragging on him. He wanted them to look at Jesus. He wanted them to see who really did the work here. Why marvel you at this? Why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? I wonder how that would play out in today's society. And I, I, I've seen some of these well, I'll call them charlatans for lack of a better term, who promote themselves through things like this. Several years ago, my mother had a stroke. She was paralyzed from the waist down and she was bedridden the rest of her life. She called me on the job one day and she was crying and I said, what's wrong, mom? And she said, I got a letter today that upset me. And I said, well, who is it from? She said, it's from a preacher that I sent some money to. Said, I watch him on TV. And I said, well, I'll, when I get off from work, I'll come by your house. And I, I went by and I said, show me the letter. He was a well-known TV preacher. I could call his name, but I won't. But he had written her a letter asking her to send him 
more money. And he kind of made a veiled threat in it. He said, if you don't send me this money, something bad will happen to you. And it scared her. But I tell you, when I read it, it didn't scare me, it made me mad. And I said, Mom, if you've got money to give to the preacher or something of that sort, I said, give it to a church that can help you. Don't send it to that guy. And I've never had any respect for him since that time. But he wanted the glory, you see, and he wanted to use things like that. And I don't know if he knew my mom's condition. I don't know what she may have written to him. But he was in it for the money. Peter wasn't in it for the money. He had already said, silver and gold have I none. But he didn't say, I do this in order to get your money. But here, notice what happens. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his son, Jesus. God has brought glory to his son, Jesus. Now listen, this is the God that you know as, as a Jew. It's the God that you know of because he's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. These are all your forefathers. This is the God I'm talking about. The God of our fathers. What's he done? He has glorified his son, Jesus. He makes it plain whose son he is, that he is God's son. And his name is Jesus. And notice he begins to tell the crowd here what had just happened. Of course, they, they probably were all around there because they had been there at the Passover. And they had come back for the Feast of Pentecost just 50 days later. Probably some of them had been out there and saw what happened to Jesus. They had saw how Jesus was beaten and all of those kind of things. And notice what Peter says to them. God has glorified his son, Jesus, whom you, speaking of the Jews, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. You remember those words we preached about it back in the book of Matthew? Where Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. I'll release him. And they said, no, no. Release Barabbas. And Barabbas was a robber and a murderer. Pilate couldn't understand that, but because of the, the uproar of the crowd, he released the murderer and the robber. And this is what Peter's referring to. You released him. Delivered up and uh, uh, we look, well, I have to find the place here. You denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. But he doesn't stop with his accusations there. And killed the prince of life. You killed the prince of life. 
You've killed the giver of life. Whom God has raised from the dead. Now there's the real message, you see. There's the real gospel. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. He's alive. He's not dead anymore. And he says, whereof we are witnesses. And there again, we find ourselves that would fit in there. We are witnesses. Notice verse 16. Peter explains to them where the power came from to heal this man. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith by him which is given unto him is this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter said, you know this man. You've walked by him many times. You've maybe given him some money at times. You've been out there and saw this man as a beggar for all of these years. But look at him. Look at him. You've seen him. You know him. And it's by faith in is by him faith given, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of y'all. Look at him. He's perfectly healthy. But it was by faith in the name of Jesus that brought about that healing that day. And now, brethren, I know that through ignorance you did it as did your rulers. I know you were ignorant of the fact of who Jesus is. I know you're ignorant of what you were doing. You just followed the rulers. But notice verse 18. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. He takes them back to the Old Testament scriptures. He takes them back perhaps to Isaiah 53 where it, it predicts the crucifixion of Jesus. It, it tells us in uh, some graphic terms there how that Jesus would be beaten and all of those kind of things. And you just go back and read it for yourself. But that's not the only Old Testament passage that talks about it. It's sprinkled all through the Old Testament about what the, the Christ, the Son of God, would suffer. He's even called the suffering servant. And Peter reminds them that they'd read these things. Those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets. Every one of them that Christ should suffer. And he says, and it's been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled. You know about it. You were a part of it. It's been fulfilled. Well, the question may have come to their mind, well, what are we supposed to do about it? Yes, we know it's happened. Yes, we were there. Yes, we took part in that mob and all like that. But what are we supposed to do about it? Verse 19 answers that question. Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 
That's still a very potent passage of Scripture today. It's still one of those tenets of the plan of salvation. Repent. Repent means to have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of attitude towards sin and to turn away from sin and turn to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent you therefore. Repent for these reasons. Repentance is not a thing that people like to hear about today, but it's still a good Bible term. And it's still a must if people are going to be saved. A salvation without repentance is not real salvation. I preached on repentance in a church that I pastored several years ago. And I went to my study on Monday morning and I heard a knock on the door. And I opened the door and it was our church clerk. And I could see she was angry. She came in, she had the church record books and she slammed them down on my desk and said, I resign. And I said, what's, what's the problem? She said, well, you preached on repentance yesterday. And she said, I didn't like it. And she said, I heard on the radio this morning a preacher saying, we preachers need to preach love, not repentance. And she said, I resign. And I said, well, Jesus preached repentance. John the Baptist preached repentance. Peter preached repentance. Paul preached repentance. The Bible is all about repenting, so I preach repentance. And she said, well, I won't be back. Well... She didn't come back for a long time, but she had a stroke, a debilitating stroke. She changed her mind. She came back, but I think she had a price to pay there. Repent you therefore, repent because of what you've done. Be sorry for what you've done, turn away from it. Turn to God through faith. Repent and be converted. That word converted means to be changed. We have a catalytic converter on our cars nowadays. And it makes a change in the exhaust emission so that it doesn't pollute the air like just a straight exhaust does without it. Be converted means to be changed. To be one thing and change and go and be something else. I'm glad that when the Lord saved me, that He converted my life. He made it different. He made me uh, into a different person. I didn't even think the same way I had thought before. He changed my mind about a lot of things. Repent you therefore and be converted. Why? That your sins may be blotted out. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You leave repentance out, it only leaves one thing, and that's to perish. 
So it's a vital part of our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a vital part in God's plan of salvation. Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Isn't that wonderful? That our sins may be blotted out. Just picture a, a, a chalkboard maybe with all your sins written out on it. And you come to that place to where you confess to the Lord that you're a sinner. And you say, Lord, forgive me of those sins and I turn from them. And the Lord gets his holy eraser out and he clears the board. There's nothing written on it anymore. They're gone. That's what it means there. That your sins will be blotted out. And he talks about a time of refreshing. Your, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. You see, when a person trusts Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, they gain the presence of the Lord in their life. He moves into our life. He comes to live in us. He comes to be a part of us. And we gain that refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. Some people ask, other people, well, how did it feel when you got saved? Well, the Bible doesn't really talk about being saved by feelings. But I'll guarantee you there's that refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. I asked a young man over at the uh, Tennessee Baptist Convention's youth rallies they used to have in Nashville. About 30,000 of us there in the Vanderbilt Gymnasium one day. And we'd went in a church service that Saturday morning and one of our teenage boys from the church that I was pastoring got saved in that service. And I was seated beside him that afternoon in the gymnasium there at Vanderbilt. I hadn't got to talk to him. And I looked over at him and I said, Tim, tell me, what, what happened this morning? when you trusted Jesus. And he looked at me with a smile on his face and he said, Preacher, it's like God just cleaned me out on the inside. I feel so clean and so innocent. I thought, wow, boy, that's a pretty good description of what the Lord does in our life. He just cleaned me out, he said. There's that presence that comes from the Lord. And look at verse 20, and he, God the Father, he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Christ comes to dwell in your life when you trust him as your Lord and Savior. And this Christ that he's talking about, he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You see, they had watched Jesus rise into heaven just 40 days before this, or 10 days before this. He stayed on earth for 40 days. And he's sharing with them here, whom the heaven must receive. That's where Jesus has gone. He's gone back to heaven. He's gone to be with the Father until, until the time of the restitution of all things. Now, my Bible has got a note there.
that talks about this restoration or it, that it's, it is the only time it occurs here. And he, he talks about this is when God is going to restore his kingdom here on this earth and his kingdom for the Jewish people. When, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Notice this is not the first time it's been spoken of, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. God's been talking about this through his prophets, throughout history. It's not something new. It's not something that someone has just made up, but it's going to come to pass. But that Jesus is gone to be in heaven until that time comes. He's coming back, you know. I don't know when it's going to be. You don't know when it's going to be, but I believe it's going to be soon that Jesus is coming back. And he talks about in verse 22, for Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. See, Jesus was a Jew. His mother was a Jew. His father was God. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. Now notice this is a quote from Moses. And Moses said, like unto me. You go back and study the Old Testament scriptures. And we've been studying the book of Exodus uh, ever since I came here as your interim pastor. We've studied that on Wednesday night. And talked about the temple and the, or the tabernacle and all those kind of things. And it all pointed to Jesus. And it tells the story of what's happening. And it talks about Moses. God chose Moses to lead his children out of bondage in Egypt. Moses was born in a Jewish family at the time when Pharaoh had ordered all the male boys born to Jews to be killed. His life was preserved when he was about three months old. His mother put him in a little basket and set him in the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river to bathe. And they heard that baby cry. And she took that baby. And Moses' sister was standing close by. And she comes over and, of course, Pharaoh's daughter had no way of nursing a, a three-month-old baby. And Moses' sister comes over and said, would you like for me to find a nurse for her among the Jewish, or for him among the Jewish people? And Pharaoh's daughter agreed to that. And Pharaoh, or Moses' sister took him home to his mother. And she raised him until he became a few years old. And then he moved in to the palace where Pharaoh's daughter lived. He was raised there in the palace. He was schooled in the best schools. He was, he was being groomed to take over the throne. But you know the story how that one day 
he went to visit his own people. He'd learned enough while he was there with his mom and dad to know that he was out of a special people, a people that were God's people. And they didn't worship the gods of Egypt. But he went to visit his people and he saw an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew. And he killed that Egyptian and hid his body in the sand, thinking no one knew about it. But he goes back the next day and they surprise him and they begin to call him a murderer. And he had to flee for his life. And he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert herding sheep. But God was training him. And when he was 80 years old, God came and spoke to him and told him that he would be the one to lead his children out of Egypt. Moses was a little reluctant. Moses said, I can't speak well. And God said, who made your mouth? He gave him Aaron to be his spokesperson. But Moses is one of the most important characters in all of the Old Testament. And he's the one that spoke this. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, like Moses. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Moses was a man sent from God to deliver his people. Jesus is a man sent from God to deliver his people. Now notice, what happens to those who don't listen? What happens to those who don't trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior? What happens to those who have no confidence in God? Well, read verse 23 very carefully. And it shall come to pass. It's going to be happening. It shall come to pass that every soul, every soul, the Bible says that God breathed into man and man became a living soul. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. We, we're soul, body, soul, spirit. The soul is the part of a man that lives on. The body dies. It shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, he's talking about Jesus, every soul that will not listen, every soul which will not hear, every soul which will not give heed to that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Now get that, that's a warning. Every soul which will not hear, and that word hear has the idea of not only listening, but also obeying. Every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed. My Bible's got a note that says utterly destroyed from among the people. 
You see, there's a place called heaven and there's a place called hell. And we choose here on this earth which place we're going to go to. We have that choice. We can believe Jesus. We can listen to what he says. We can trust him as our Lord and our Savior. And he has promised us a home in heaven. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, the Lord doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He came and suffered and bled and died to pay for my sin debt and your sin debt so that we don't have to go to that horrible place. But for those who do not hear him, those who do not listen, those who do not obey, shall be destroyed from among the people. You won't be considered part of God's people if you refuse his son. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. God's prophets have been proclaiming this for years, centuries and millenniums. The word of God has come on down to us today and it's still alive and it's still active. Now notice verse 25. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. He tells them that they are a blessed people. God still loves the Jewish people. They're still his people. But most of them have turned a deaf ear. Most of them have refused to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. But I, I listened to a a Hebrew preacher, most every Sunday night on my way back home from church, I, I don't remember his name, but he has a deep Hebrew accent. And I heard him say last Sunday night as I drove up the road that there's more Jewish people turning to Jesus now than ever in our history. And I said, praise the Lord. It's happening that people are coming to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Jewish people. You are the children of the prophets. You're the children of the covenant which God made with our fathers. When he said to Abraham, in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And you say, well, I'm not a Jew. No, neither am I. But I'm saved by the grace of God. You see, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I admitted I was lost, and he saved me. We become his children through a new birth, through trusting him. Now he says in verse 26, Unto you first, and speaking of the Jewish people, Unto you first, God, having raised up his son, sent him to bless you, how's he blessed you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities the blessing is in 
when we repent and trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He turns us away from those iniquities. Our sins are remembered no more. They're gone. The Bible talks about them being cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that wonderful that we have a Savior like that? Is He your Lord and Savior? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? You see, Peter took the opportunity of God doing a miracle, of healing a man, and he took that opportunity to proclaim who Jesus really was and why he came, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And thank God that he's made a way for us to be with him in heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Have you trusted Him as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to repent of your sins and take Him as your Lord and Savior tonight? If you are, we'd just ask you to slip out of your seat during this invitation time and come and let us pray with you. Let us counsel with you. Let us share with you how you can know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe others here tonight that you've drifted away from the Lord and you just need to come and say, Lord, forgive me. I've sinned against you. I need to draw close to you once again. That's okay. Just come on. Maybe some of you have lost loved ones that you want to pray for. That's good. Just come on. Whatever, whatever is in your heart, whatever God is saying to you tonight, you let him have his way. Let's stand and bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Father, I just thank you that you loved us so much. We who are unlovely, Lord, that we who have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that yet you love us, you care about us. Father, you sent your son Jesus into this world to die in our place on the cross, to pay for our sin debt. And Lord, you've told us in your word that those who will repent and trust your son Jesus, that you will save our souls, that you'll give us a home in heaven. Father, I pray tonight as your Holy Spirit deals with hearts that you will be glorified and magnified by people responding to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.